Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf, and that beatboxing you hear under Ben Harper's Steal My Kisses is two-time Grammy Award-winning artist, a former member of The Roots, winner of a Lifetime Achievement Award by the American Beatbox Championships, the godfather of noise, Razel. He's also known for his flawless ability to both sing and beatbox at the same time, but we will get to that. And you'll also hear from two-time world beatboxing champion Kayla Milady. She worked with Lin-Manuel Miranda's group Freestyle Love Supreme, and she developed a program with the Academy of Noise to use beatboxing as a form of speech therapy. Plus a conversation with 12-year-old Gus. He found beatboxing during the pandemic and shot right onto the stage where he competes on the mic with people two or three times his age. But if you really want to understand the history of beatboxing, which really started in New York in the late 70s and early 80s, we can learn it through the personal history of Rozelle. I was introduced to the drum machine, which Grandmaster Flash called the beatbox. And the Furious Five made a song called Flash is on the beatbox. It evolved into human beatboxing because, you know, with any form of music, um, there's emulation. If you don't have a drum machine or you don't have a drum kit, you kind of put in a position where you have to improv. So I think improving, listening, it evolved into human beatboxing. I want to know when you started trying to figure out like what this felt like in your face. When I first heard, you know, when you first hear something, it just does something to you. And I guess because I didn't have those resources to actually get a drum machine or a drum kit, it just evolved from my mind and I just started to emulate. So being kids, you know, being in um, uh, middle school, you know, we used to just play around and had one turntable. The turntable didn't work. And I was like, hey, I've been playing around with some ideas. They was like, what do you mean? You got another turntable? I was like, no, I can do it with my mouth. And it was like, really? Let me hear it. And that kind of evolved because he was like, holy cow, it's kind of like a secret weapon because everyone is trying to imitate. It's kind of like doo-wop the doo-wop beach before us with uh, Bobby McFerrin's and the George Benson's and the Al Jarreau's. Like, they imitated the instruments that they played or the instruments that were around them, the musicians that were around them. And hip-hop had the same formula. So we kind of imitated and embodied what we heard. So as a doo-wop group would have harmonizing and someone playing the bass. We were like, okay, we have the MCs. 
So someone has to provide the beat that we can rhyme over. Hence, you know, the art form of beatboxing. At some point while you're learning this, you're picking up from people around you, you're using your own imagination, you're just listening and listening and listening and trying stuff and trying stuff and messing around. At what point did you feel fluent? It took some time because it was a lot of things to figure out. I would say about 1982, 83, there was like an explosion. Fat Boys, Dougie Fresh. Uh, the Skinny Boys, like the list goes on with all of these groups that were coming out. Everyone had a human beatbox in their group. And a mentor of mine, his name was uh, Paul C. McCaskey. I was introduced to him from some other schoolmates of mine. So he was like, hey, you got to go check out this guy named Paul. He's got like this record collection. He's a drummer and he does amazing things with his drum machine. So I'm thinking like he's going to have a beatbox like the one that Grandmaster Flash had. And um, he had way more than one Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> he had Lind drums. He had the SP-12. He had all these different drum machines. He had a drum kit. And what sparked his interest is how intricate that I was doing the beatbox that Flash was using with my mouth. He was like, wow, that's great. And so he used to give me like little exams like he would give me records to take home to listen i would come back and he was like no 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 you sound too much like bismarck or you sound too much like fat boys so you sound too human so that always stuck in my head he said you sound too human like i know it's a human being so that started my journey of my conquest of sounding like the machine. So he was like, no, I want you to find your own technique, your own style. What does it feel like when you know you're on the right track with beatboxing? Like what's happening to your style to remind you like, yes, this is right. You're doing it right. A lot of the times uh, in hip hop, when you come up with an idea, you know, as a professional, you know, you get your booking agent, you get your manager, to get you a show or get you on a festival. Well, back then, you had to use the barbecues, the birthday parties, the bar mitzvahs. And in um, hip-hop, we, got, we call it jams. So someone would come out with very large speakers that you could probably hear for, from a mile away, tons of crates of records, and the DJ would play from noon to after midnight. So this is going on all day. This will happen like every weekend at various parks around New York. I lived in Hollis, Queens. Actually, Jam Master Jay from Run DMC, he used to have these park jams like maybe two to three times a month. And, you know, I would do my thing and I would just wait to see the response from the crowd. So, you know, at, at that point, I think I was probably about 17 how I knew was like, okay, you're different from everybody else when I got the the eyes of Jam Master Jay going, oh my God, like, 
what's going on here? <laughs> that must feel amazing, right? To see. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've found as I've been interviewing for the show. When I am in the vicinity of a great beatboxer, it takes my breath away. Like my time stands still. It's a novelty every time. Like what does, yeah. <laughs> you know, no matter who it is, whether they're famous or not, like to see that on people's faces that you bring them. Yeah joy and presence what's that feel like for you it's kind of like that language like it's not spoken but it's vibration it's like when you create that type of vibration and people respond to it in a positive way i mean it makes you feel good because it's a positive outcome it's mind-blowing it's mind-blowing when you're coming up with new sounds, different sounds, you're refining sounds you've already figured out, you're combining sounds you know would be cool together and you're experimenting and playing. How often are you creating these new sounds by working with already existing sounds, like along with a song or whatever? And how much are you like in the shower coming up with stuff off the, off the top of your head? Like oh, yeah, yeah. That's every day. Every day is a creative mode. I listen to a lot of music. I mean, from my standpoint, I believe to be a great beatboxer or be good at human beatboxing is your catalog up here. It's like how many songs you have stored up here that you can pull different sounds that you remember. You know, like it's it's good to kind of like master certain techniques to woe a crowd, but to actually have a plethora of music up in your head to extend that to an hour. It's like your own playlist. I've always studied the musician, the producer, and the song. That's how you build your sound bed. I studied uh, Larry Smith. I studied Davy DMX. I studied the Bomb Squad who produced Public Enemy, Quest Love, you know, like guys like that that sit in the studio all day and go through their craft. It takes a master to be a student. You know, I study the greats. I study, like I said, the Al Jarreau's, the, the Bobby McFerrin's, the Michael Winslow's, the Zap Mamas, the Take Six. Like, these guys kind of paved the way, you know, and opened up different genres for themselves. So you have to take notes from people that made it successfully, you know, just using their gift. And so from that template, when you get started wrapping your head around, you know, in the very beginning, what does a basic beat sound like? How do you do a hi-hat? How do you do a record scratch? Like, how does all this work in my face? Uh, you've got these, you've got these basic things, but then at the same time, like you want to stand out. There's only one of you. There's only one Russell. So how can you stand out and make something really beautiful and new? Right. Well, I'm, I imagine at the same time when you do something out of the beat box, sorry, um, you probably get some pushback about sounding different. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You get the pushback because it takes time for people to kind of catch on. The more pushback I got. That's when I knew, I, you know, I kind of knew I was on the right path because I was getting too much pushback. You know, I was getting, you know, don't let him get on the microphone. Ah, <laughs> threatened were they? I was, I was, I was getting the pushback. Like, nah, we can't let him get on. Or, uh, you know, he lost the contest, and everybody knew that I won. So it was little things like that that I kind of knew. Like, okay, we we're on the right track because someone is very scared. 
Is this when you think you figured out a particular style or a particular technique? I can take you back to 1974, probably even before your parents. Your parents were probably children. That someone that had already mastered what you thought you mastered in 2023. Because that's where I was at. I was like, oh, I got it. But Paul, Paul C. McCasty, he showed me Al Jerome. And I'm like, <sighs> Al Jerome was on a whole nother level. Everybody knows Bobby McFerrin on a whole nother level of mastery, of artistry. Michael Winslow, Police Academy, a whole nother level. You know, like Dougie Fresh, a whole nother level. That's mastering style. You know, people compare beatbox techniques, but it's him as a person. For me, for me, my, my analysis is him as a person, his character, his flair, you know, his ability to make certain records that make people respond a certain way. It's not easy to beatbox a record. Now, that's a whole different playing field. Yes, performing, getting on stage, getting in front of a camera, that's one thing. But can you create a record that lasts 30 years, 35 years? That's a whole nother mastery. It's like, once again, Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. Timeless. Timeless. This is the blueprint. These guys have already created the blueprint on how to create this little disc that people can remember for generations. That's always been the goal, to create that. That, you know, even when you're not here, people can go back and go, ah, this is art. When you hear something on the radio or something comes up and you want to freestyle over it, you want to come up with something for it, how does that start in your brain? Now, when... Listening to a song, you also have to go into a DJ. DJs play popular songs, right? So you have to be mindful of what would a DJ do? So the idea that I came up with, like, with If Your Mother Only Knew, like Bismarck used to do a one-two, a one-two, a one-two, a one-two. I like to introduce myself. My name is Abysmal So I used to talk and do the beat. So my brain was like, okay, if he's talking, we should be singing. If he has the ability to talk, then you should have the ability to sing. So you have to tailor make the beat to fit the words. Like, if your mother only knew, has to fall on the beat. If your mother only knew. So now you're going to transfer the song, not only through your vocal, but through your nasal, to extend while the beat is still simultaneously moving. If, mm, if, mm. 
So you're switching back and forth, vocal, nasal, vocal, nasal. But when it's amplified, it's a different frequency. So you can't hear the switch. It's funny, when I was listening to you do that, I was, first of all, hypnotized. Second of all, I'm thinking about how when you get in that zone, like when you've locked it in, especially when there's a mic against your face and there are speakers and monitors all around you and you can feel it in your body and the crowd is in front of you and they look on their faces like I just looked on my face when I was watching you. How does that feel? I mean, to be in that frequency, it's like the Matrix. You become a superhero. Because you transform like this idea that you had in your head, you're actually able to put this in a frequency where it translates and people have no idea how you did it. And amplification, that's a, that's a whole nother world because you can hear anything that you're creating, like the low end that you're creating. The breath that you create has its own resonance. It's really deep. Like you can, a normal breath for you, you might think, okay, it's just a normal breath. But once you change the frequency, it becomes its own sound. Like every little thing that you do from phonetics, from the K, everything you pronounce becomes its own sound. This took years for me to figure out. It's years of listening and like, okay, so the K sound makes this is a similar to the C sound, but the C sound has more of an S sound. And once it's amplified, it becomes, like I could say C or S. It's still got the C. So you can kind of just, like a drum machine, you truncate it. It becomes something else. And once it's amplified, like, wait a minute, what sound was that? <laughs> like, I was always tickled by, like, sounds that I've created or sounds that I've came across and try to raise it to that frequency, you know, through amplification. How many people hear something totally different from each other? Like, oh, you did this sound and it sounded like this and someone to have a whole different view on what I did and it, it's always happened it's like you don't remember the sound that you did and it had to and it sound like I'm like uh <laughs> okay <laughs> well Rozelle the godfather of noise thank you so much for talking with me thank you thank you for the interview um you can do this too like there's nothing there's nothing under the sun that can't be done if you put your mind to it you're hearing Rozelle's song To The Beat, featuring Q-Tip and Quest Love. When we get back, meet 12-year-old Gus. 
Then two-time world beatboxing champion Kayla Milady walks me through some exercises. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash elevating health. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Remember when you were a kid and you were totally unselfconscious? And you could make the weirdest noises and mess around, and it was awesome. Well, Gus McAfoos is an old man now at 12 years old, but back when the pandemic started, he found a new friend in beatboxing. His aha moment happened while he was isolated in his house, scrolling through YouTube as one does, and he found this clip of Bad Taco versus Codfish going head-to-head at the Grand Beatbox Showcase Battle in 2018. So Gus hears this and thinks, yeah, I can learn that. And after beginning to develop his personal style, he became one of the youngest competitors on stage last year at the Crossroads Beatbox Battle in Kansas City, Missouri. And this is what that sounded like. In three, two, one. Gus and his mom, Daniil, joined me from their home in Missouri, and I asked him how I, as a little tiny baby beatboxer, could start to develop my own style of beatboxing. Well, it depends on your flow. I'm more like a quick, faster type of thing. But if you like slower beats, I would say try finding out some sounds that could be like a nice hi-hat or a good harmony. <laughs> okay, can we back it up to get a little more simple? Just a little more, just a little more simplicity. So you were starting like her basic ones, like the boots and cats. Oh yeah, you know, like the and then cats is kind of like you're just going just like yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It feels good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you find that when you do this, like, it feels good? Oh, yes, yes. Whenever you get a really good beat going, sometimes whenever you're looking for one and, like, you're, like, trying to think, like, oh, what, what would this sound like? What would, like, you're trying to record something. But once it's kind of, like, you can tell once he hits that creative, like, flow it's constant and it just comes out and you can tell in his whole body that it's kind of, you know, that he's on, that he can feel it, you know? So it's, it's quite fun to watch actually. Mm -hmm. So. Daniil, can you talk about when this began in your arena? Like it was during COVID, right? And you, it was during COVID. Yeah. So, um, the kids were at home being homeschooled at that point because everything was kind of like, you know, shut down or whatever. And so he did spend a little bit of extra time on YouTube and every he would come up and he would kind of show me like these beatboxing videos. And I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, not thinking too much of it. You know, it's just something that he's watching. And then but he he's oh he's a child that's always had sound coming out of him. It's always been like, you know clicking or some kind of like sound that is constantly Mm -hmm. coming out of him that he I think is unconscious of but um during after he was showing me the videos I noticed one evening he was putting away dishes and he was beatboxing you know the normal sound type stuff but it was all kind of clicking and it was coming into more of like a rhythm and flow type thing and I was like oh wow you know like I go dude I go I think you're actually I go I think you're kind of good you know like this is pretty cool And um, from there, it was kind of like he talked about it more and you could tell he was kind of passionate about it. And it was more of like an obsession type thing that was starting to unfold. And so I'm like, okay, where do you even where do you even go? Where do people meet to beatbox together? You know, and the only videos that you would see were competition videos. So I was Googling, you know, beatboxing competitions and I was like, maybe we'll just go and watch he can kind of get some inspiration from somebody, you know, and I found one that happened to be um, in Kansas City, which is about, you know, three hours away from us. And at this point, we we're like, well, maybe we'll just enter it and see, see what happens. We know he's not going to, you know, win. he's 10 years old at this time. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens or whatever. And then we'll just have fun doing it. The night actually came and he had a he had to compete it was quite epic I mean Mm -hmm. he had never been on a stage of this sort you know there's at least 75 people in this bar and here he is walks up on stage with such confidence guys ready for a level 10 earthquake He was feeling it. The flow was great. He had inspiration from the gentlemen that, you know, the guys that were going before him to where, you know, he kind of understood what he needed to do. And he knocked it out of the park to where the the next day, it was like the first day you had to compete in order to get into the top 16, which was battling the second day. And we ended up finding out that he ended up making top 16 to where he got a beat or he got a battle the next day. And he actually battled last year's winner. So here he gets to battle last year's winner. And this gentleman, I think, was in his 20s at the time. 
it was it was so so neat so neat to watch but like on stage they kind of act like you know they're they're you know better than each other and you know and but it's it's all act they mm-hmm. are so encouraging afterwards but it just kind of makes each one try to do a little bit better Gus, take me back to that moment when you first stepped on stage in front of those 70 plus people and took a deep breath. What was going through your mind? It's kind of all, it also kind of goes with my new uh, stage name. My first stage name was Gus, but this time we're doing Switch because like when I first got onto that stage, I was really anxious. I was a wreck. I was like, oh God, what if they don't like it? But when I got onto the stage, I was feeling that, and then everyone was going, boom, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, like, the crowd got louder and louder, and I was so happy. I just started feeling, like, the thing, and it just took me away. Is it true? Your mom said that you had been making all sorts of noises out of your face ever since you were a little kid. Can you demonstrate what she's talking about? Ooh, okay, here's one. It's called the zipper. (laughs) Well... Yeah. Well, the zipper, that one we're trying to master. Do your inward bass one. Oh. You, 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 you. Can you use them in context? Oh. <laughs> I can't, I can't help but smile. Do you get that reaction from people when you just break out with this? Like, people gotta smile, right? Mm-hmm. It's quite, we're from a small little town, so he gets recognized quite a bit whenever we go out to like little public events. A lot of it's, mm-hmm. you know, school teachers and stuff like that, but he gets asked quite a bit at school to beatbox. I think it makes everybody happy. Like that was kind of the nice thing that happened out of 2020. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, a good, happy moment, happy moment the- within a crazy time. So mm-hmm. Daniil, it's it's really sweet to hear how you support Gus. So, Gus, do you think that you would be where you are, talent-wise, inspiration-wise, future-wise, if it weren't for the way that your mom works with you and supports you? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Without her, I would have lost motivation a while ago because she's the one that keeps me, like, pushing me to continue like getting better at the beatboxing because sometimes I think oh well I'm doing so good but she's like oh well you can improve on some things which really helps me out like whenever I'm practicing because it's just a lot more um uh, like you know motivation and support to keep going with the beatboxing good job Daniil thank you Well, I have asked all the burning questions I have, but I want to make sure we get to everything. What, if anything else, do you want to make sure that you say? I would say beatboxing may just be around the sound too, but I feel like it's also the inspiration and the community because it's such a great community. Like when I got there, I thought it was going to be like tough competition type of thing, like survival of the fittest. But no, everyone was so accepting and generous with how they talked. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was extremely nice. They're very, very welcoming. Very, very like um, a warm community. Warm community, yeah. Like they would have little groups where they'd all beatbox together, and they're like, "Gus, get in here, get in here, Gus." And it was like right once we just met. So it's it's kind of like that's pretty awesome to see because these boys are not the age that I would assume 
you would get this kind of reaction, you Mm -hmm. know, from and how accepting they were to a 10 year old. Because, I mean, these guys are like 17 to late 30s, I would say. So super cool. Very Mm -hmm. neat community for sure. Well, if this community is full of nice people, then Gus, you're going to fit right in because you're awesome. Gus Switch and Daniil McAfoos, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having us. Uh Thank you. We're going out with more from Gus's performance at the 2021 Crossroads Beatbox Battle in Kansas City, Missouri. After the break, what can beatboxing really do for you? Imagine the power, especially of being a young woman, right? If you're more comfortable enough to walk into a room and just go, (laughs) then if someone comes up to you, it's a lot easier to say no, or please don't touch me, or I don't want to talk to you than to walk into a room and become a duck or a marmoset or whatever sound you need to be. I'm Kion Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. That was a battle! This is Audacious. I'm Kion Wolf, and this is Kayla Milady. Right before she won the women's solo beatbox battle for the second time at the 2018 Beatbox Battle World Championship in Berlin, Germany. Three, two, one, go! Burning down your house while you still inside Kayla has traveled all over the world as a beatboxer. She's worked with Lynn Manuel Miranda's group, Freestyle Love Supreme. And she's developed a program with the Academy of Noise to use beatboxing as a form of speech therapy. And she's just getting started. She'd been beatboxing before she even knew what the word meant. She remembers seeing Rozelle doing a Twix commercial. What's it like to crunch it to a Twix? Crunchy. It's all in the mix. Which was awesome. And then someone told her, hey, what you're doing is called beatboxing. Well, that was it for she was devoted. Now, at that age, of course, there's this wonderful lack of self-consciousness, which is a great context in which to explore the craft. But I wanted to know, how did beatboxing help form her confidence as she grew up? It's interesting. When it came to beatboxing, uh, I never felt self-conscious. I actually had a really bad show choir audition in sixth grade where I went to go sing Colors of the Rainbow by Pocahontas. And when it came out, it was nails on a chalkboard. Like it came out like, can you sing? And then from that moment when I was in sixth grade till I was about 18, 19, I vowed for nobody to hear my voice again. And I did not sing in front of anybody. I was even in like a, like a chorus when I was in a senior in high school and I lip sync and everyone knew I was lip syncing, even the t- teacher. Like I built just from that one moment, one time in my life, I built up such a shame barrier around my voice and letting people hear it. 
But for some reason, I was still beatboxing, right? And it took me until I met my mentor when I was like 18 or 19, and he pushed me into what's called beat rhyming, which is when you sing or rap or beatbox at the same time as when you're doing the drums and the melody, that I realized I was using my voice the whole time. If I go, that's just me singing like, or if I go, I'm still going, but for some reason, because beatboxing was this thing that almost allowed me to put like a shield in front of myself, it allowed me to still practice to use my voice in this way. And I teach beatboxing all the time now. I have a program called the Academy of Noise where I teach beatboxing to people and songwriting, but it isn't just beatboxing. It actually is um, overcoming that fear of using our voice in this silly way or being vulnerable with our voice. And you can't imagine, especially as we get older, you start to find kids in middle school. That's really when everyone becomes self-conscious. But uh, in high school, they get better. In college, they're fun. But it's actually the adults that I work with now that when you ask them to make a, you know, like a silly voice, just go, hi-ya, or or that they get so uncomfortable using their voice in that way. And I think it's so interesting because when I am beatboxing, whether it's like a trumpet noise or a or or these are all sounds that every single person can do. I also, when I was young, didn't think that that was possible. Uh, I would watch YouTube videos uh, when I was in like high school and be like, oh, well, I could do the but I could never do the like I could never do those sounds. Those people must be aliens. But every single person can use their voice in this way. We've just decided collectively as a human uh, species that singing and public speaking are the only ways that we can use our voice. And we stopped exploring and stopped using our voice in this way. But the more that we feel comfortable using our voice, I mean, imagine the power, especially of being a young woman, right? Uh, and if you're more comfortable enough to walk into a room and just go, <laughs> then if someone comes up to you, it's a lot easier to say no, or please don't touch me, or I don't want to talk to you than to walk into a room and become a duck or a marmoset or whatever sound you to be. So um, beatboxing has changed my life. I used to not be this confident. I used to have a real, sh like real shame around my voice. And beatboxing is what brought that back out of me and allowed me to have fun with my myself again and go into this kind of fun inward meditative space where I get to decide how I want to use my body and my voice every single day. So it's like this ultimate form of liberation through play. And, and, and it's also we, you know, we're so attached, especially now to how how our faces look. So in order to make these noises, you are looking real freaking weird and to be surrounded by people who are like, yes, and let's go. I could go weirder. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's mind boggling when, when I think of it. It used to take me a really long time when I was like 19 years old walking around New York City um, when I used to street perform all the time. And uh, people would be looking at me funny and giving me weird glances. And I'd be like, what? Like I would check my shirt. Like, did I spell mustard on it? Do I got like broccoli on my teeth? And then I realized when I'm like... <laughs> If you cannot hear the sounds, then you have absolutely no idea what this person is doing. They're like, let's cross the street. Let's go. It's safer on the other side. That's what it takes to make the sounds. And I think it's a really wonderful thing. Also, it's it's a, what you tapped on before, the idea of playing. I can become a full DJ wherever I am in the world. I could be at a dentist's office. I could be um, at a library quietly doing it. I could be on a subway. I could be taking a hike like this. I have so much fun. I cannot be bored by myself. And life has become so much richer because of this um, skill set that I have. Because now I have a drum set with me wherever I go. I could be hiking up to a, the top of a mountain in Colorado and whip out a trumpet or a bass guitar or, uh, you know, turntables. It is so cool to have these things inside you at all times. 
time. And also to be able to express yourself whenever you feel like it. If you're having a good day, you get to celebrate that through a fun song. Or if you're having a bad day, you get to kind of get those emotions out uh, through the song that you can create on the spot in the moment. I I know you teach beatboxing, uh, and so you recognize that this is important to spread the word, but like, it makes me really wish that along with sign language <laughs> and how to balance a checkbook, uh, <laughs> I wish that I'd been taught beatboxing as a kid. Like, don't, I know, I, I know the answer to this, but don't you? Yeah, I mean... Especially our goal at the Academy of Noise is to be able to bring beatboxing to every school in the country, especially because I think that beatboxing is a great form of medicine and a great um, solution to a lot of the world's problems right now. And I know that sounds crazy for people to hear that, but on an interpersonal level, the um, confidence that you have to be vulnerable, to try something new, to break yourself out of these limitations that you have of your own body and what's possible uh, is an incredible component of it. But then if if you think about what's happening in the United States right now, um, you know, I grew up as a teaching artist in New York City. And what we see in New York City, we see at the country at large, where the first things that get cut out of any school is the arts and musical enrichment programs. So I was working at schools in New York City where if I had an after school group of 20 kids, sometimes those 20 kids were the only kids out of 500 to 600 students that got any sort of musical enrichment at all. And what it comes down to is money for schools. If you can't afford funding, well, we have to get them through STEM, um, but music and arts don't have the same, um, you know, level of respect, I guess, as we can say, as math or sciences, right? So if now we can come into schools with beatboxers, you know, when you're a kid, every kid learns how to play recorder, right? It's great. Recorder is fun as heck. But also imagine now every single school that doesn't have the funding to buy these recorders. Okay, well, if you have 25 kids in class, all we need to do is send in a beatboxer. And now every single one of those kids, no matter what socioeconomic background they come from, how much money their parents have, what they have access to outside of school, they cannot now leave with 25 drum sets, 25 trumpets, uh, a bass guitar, learning how to uh, DJ, learning how to sing, learning how to turn themselves into violins. And then through that, you could still teach them, okay, so you make a small hole on the side of your mouth and you say, do, 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 now you're a trumpet. Now they could still sound like a trumpet and you can still teach them sheet music. You can teach them how to do a kick drum, a snare and a hi-hat. And now they can... They can do any genre of rhythm patterns through this and you could still teach them uh, what they would need to learn. And now it costs the school zero dollars. So our goal of the Academy of Noise is to give people more access to beatboxing and be able to teach beatboxers how to facilitate large rooms enough that we can share this art form because it's a beautiful thing that especially now in the U.S., the, you know, a very capitalistic society, this is something that is free. How many things, how many times do we get something in life where I'm sending, I can show you something and there's no subscription fee. It does not cost you anything more to attach more parts. You don't have, you don't have to charge it. You know, all you have to do is drink water and sleep yourself and you can have these instruments with you at all times. And I think that that is my favorite thing about beatboxing. I feel like it would be a wasted opportunity if I did not ask you to help me get started, uh, getting better at it. But I do, I am a little bit, I'm a little bit ahead of maybe some of my listeners because I was in an acapella group in college, the Yukon Cordials. Oh, the Yukon Cordials. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So I did the drums on Real Love by Mary J. Blige and it went like this. So that's all I got, which is good. 
<laughs> All that being said, where do I where do I go next to get better at beatboxing? Yeah, that's great, right? So there is a million different ways. Like I love the way that you already had your your drum set. You're doo, 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 right. That doo, doo. That's exactly what I just sounded like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that everyone has their own style to it. Um, you know, there's different techniques. I'll show you three different ways, I guess, to do a kick drum, a hi hat, and a snare. Right? There's a million different ways. Uh, but the first one, and this is kind of one that everybody can understand, is to say the letter P. So say pancake. Pancake. Good. Say party. Party. Easy, right? So the same way I say pancake or party, notice that we don't fold our lips in, right? We're not like pancake party, right? Because if I started walking around saying pancake party like that, people would probably think I had too many pancakes at this party and they would not let me drive home, right? So the same way that I say pancake party and I move my lips the same way, that's how I'm doing this kick drum like this. So that's a kind of beefy plosive kick drum. So the same way that I would do, say, pancake party, if I just put a little bit extra pressure on my lips when I say pancake party, then you can have more of this plosive kick drum sound. So try to do this sound like this. Boom, right? Now let's play a quick game called follow the leader. I'm going to do a beat like one, two, three, four. Then you will repeat my beat. Then I will do another beat and you will repeat that beat. Sound good? Sounds good. So the first one goes like this. Now you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, good, right? First sound down. The second one, we'll do a, a snare drum that I like to call uh, a crunch snare. Okay, so it's it's happening from both sides of my mouth. Uh, so the way that we do a snare drum sound is with a C or a K. So say cake. Cake. Yeah, say cookie. Cookie. It's a kangaroo. Kangaroo. And you can already hear when you say cake, cookie, kangaroo. <laughs> that snare sound is already coming out, right? So let's do a little game of follow the leader like that. Repeat after me. It goes like this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. And then the last sound, I'm sure you know this, is the hi-hats. We say this by the letter T when they're closed or T-S if they're open. So, for example, say taco. Taco. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Best day of the week, Taco Tuesday. Best day of the week, Taco Tuesday. Exactly. So you can follow after me. It's just a T or a T-S for open. Right? So the first one goes like this. our T and our K, it's just about putting it all together. So, right, follow me. Say P T K. P T K. Now we beatbox. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then you go. Mm-hmm. And then. All right, last one a little fast. It goes. together so I'm gonna okay next week in vegas uh <laughs> and we'll hit the stage i'll yeah. join you with freestyle love supreme yeah exactly i have asked everything i planned on but i want to make sure that you say everything that you want to say and also to retain any kind of respect for me as an interviewer what if anything do you want to leave our listeners thinking about Um, I respect you more for going (laughs) practicing things that make you uncomfortable and practicing the feeling of being uncomfortable helps us always get to those next levels. You know, for me, street performing was that thing that made me feel super uncomfortable every day. Um, I hated it. I did not want to do it. And yet every day I would show up into New York city and street perform until I made enough money to go back to long Island and come back again. And I feel like that practice of doing that thing that was uncomfortable every day, it made me feel very like embarrassed. It made me feel silly to be on a street corner in New York city. Um, when life did get harder and when I faced these adversities more and these obstacles, either in my community or just my own career, my own personal life, that practice of showing up every day and doing the thing that made me feel uncomfortable made me this strong person now that is an unstoppable force. So go out there, do you, don't be afraid to look silly. Don't be afraid to sound silly because on the other end of that is that person that you really want to be and that you're creating for yourself. Kayla Malady, thank you. And ha ha ha! We're going out with more audio from her winning sounds at the 2018 Beatbox Battle World Championship. We'll have links to her and our other guests at ctpublic.org slash audacious. Oh, this show is so lovingly produced by me, Khalil Rahman, Jessica Severin Martinez, Meg Fitzgerald, Meg Dalton, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford with help from our interns, Elizabeth Van Arnhem and Melody Rivera. I am accepting your opinions on this show only in the form of beatboxing. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf, or send an email to audacious at ctpublic.org. Thanks for doof doof shikatika doof. Oh, my friends and I go, 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 friends and I go out tonight. Have yourself a good time. Ha 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 ha